welcome to our podcast, Orgy and the Alien, where we discuss all things movies. I'm Darcy Gabriel, he, him. And I'm Karen Gaylard, she, her. And this week we'll be chatting about the movie Fargo. Uh, but first, are there any movies you've seen this week you want to chat about? Yeah, I managed to get back out to the cinema and I saw the Kenneth Branagh film Death on the Nile. Um, which oh, is, how of that? course, the uh, adaptation of the Agatha Christie novel. Um, I really liked it. Um, look, it's not um, it's not doing anything unusual or different or unique in, in particular, but I felt like it was just a really good interpretation of the Agatha Christie story. Um, it's a really um, uh, full-on cast. You know, it's got Annette Benning, Russell Brand, Dawn French, Gal Gadot, Emma Mackey. Um, I really enjoyed um, Letitia Bright and Sophia Kondo. Just a really interesting cast. And um, some, you know, some parts were, were more meaty than others. I felt like the, the roles played by Jennifer Saunders and Dawn French were a little bit tacked on um, and weren't, they weren't terribly convincing in those roles. But, but some of the other roles were quite good and um, I actually found it really hard to pick Russell Brand as as this um, sort of self-effacing doctor. He, he was... Um, he was one of the wealthy people there but had sort of given up his wealth to to be this doctor and I kept thinking I know that face I know that face but he had a beard and he had a different hairstyle and he was wearing glasses and it wasn't until the credits at the end came up and I went oh my god it was Russell Brand um yeah yep yeah, and a really good I thought Emma Mackey was really good I won't spoil it but she she plays a fairly crucial role and I thought she did that really strongly so oh, yeah I liked it would you recommend it yeah, look, it's just a classic movie in the sense that you'll be entertained. Okay, so it's not. Um, I, I I kind of had the impression, probably um, wrongfully, that it was just going to be a bit um, cheesy and, and a bit too. Uh, I don't know. Um, look, Hollywooded could, up in a way. Yeah, you probably could sort of say it's a little bit on the cheesy side because, like I said, yeah, like it's not doing anything different or unusual but it's just yeah. doing all the things that you sort of you know it's very like the colors are very saturated there's there's lots of shots where they go in really close and then something sort of jumps and and it makes you kind of go oh <laughs> and um and there's um oh one of my one of the scenes i really enjoyed was right near the beginning where um, they introduce the singer Salome and she walks in, she's like, you know, a woman, mature mature woman um, who, who walks in to this nightclub dressed to the nines and playing an electric guitar and, and then walks up to the mic, like she's really playing that guitar and then she walks up and stands at the microphone and starts belting out this really soulful tune and the way they filmed her was from behind as she walks in and it's just very atmospheric and you know you just cool. feel like it just feel like Kenneth Branagh sort of wrung out every bit of drama and colour and vivaciousness mm. out of this story. So it is, you could you could say it verges, verges, verges on the cheesy side of things because it is sort of melodramatic and, um, you know, he doesn't pull any punches. It's all there, all there on the screen for you. And it's set in Egypt, of okay. course, so you've got the pyramids and you've got, you know, lots of interesting things to look at. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was... I'll have to check it out. That sounds really good. Um, something sounds fun. Um, yeah. Okay. So what was what week, was the movie um, that you saw? Yeah, uh, I saw a couple, but I'll talk about one. Um, it, it's called Oxygen. Um, it's a movie that came out last year, um, so twenty twenty one, and it's actually a French film, but I didn't realize. So, uh, basically it was just popped up on netflix sounded really awesome popped it on um and it was dubbed and because and i'll, I'll i'm gonna say this in a bit of a strange way to not spoil much 
but because <laughs> of the way it is it is filmed because of the story it's telling um there aren't a great deal of instances for you to realize that it's dub um there's definitely oh, okay. a lot of conversation so... there's definitely a lot of dialogue in the film but it's it's hard to tell because you don't necessarily see the main character's mouth very often and when you do and 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 often dubs can be really hit and miss where they can either be yeah, you know, a bit normally... overacted or the voice just doesn't fit the person um yeah. But this one was done brilliantly that I the only time moment that I realized it was a dub was when I actually recognized the main actress and was like, oh my god, she's a French actress who has a very French accent because I've seen her in some other films, um, Western films. Um and she has a very strong French accent, um, which doesn't sound put on in those films. So I was when I realized that she had no French accent in this, I was like that that's a dub um yeah. and then i, I, did, did it give you and I was the, like oh it's actually a french film did it give you the choice of having subtitles so oh, that you didn't have to i mean you have the dub but it, it's because yeah, yeah. um it always just goes with your default settings first and then you can change it it doesn't ask you up i front. think it's up to you because what you've got it set as i was watching it at someone else's house and they oh, automatically okay, have yeah, dubs yeah. as their setting yeah um so it just came on that way i i normally just have the subtitles on as for my settings um because usually i'm very um uh wary of dubs but this yeah one, me too this one was really actually great i would if you're going to go out and watch this movie i'd probably encourage you to watch the original um because i kind of wish i did i feel like it might be better but it was so good either way. But Do you want to tell I'll, us a little bit about Yeah, I'll tell you about the movie, essentially. It's really hard <laughs> yeah. to tell you much without spoiling anything. But essentially, uh, this woman uh, wakes up in a uh, cryogenic container. So it's, a, it's like a medical coffin-like container that's cryogenically uh, frozen her. But there's been something's gone wrong. There's been an emergency, and she's been, as per the protocol, she's been woken up. Um, but she can't get out because apparently for some reason um, it won't let her get out without a security code that she doesn't have because she has no memory. Um, oh, gosh, she, what but a inside, Yeah, but inside this um, container, um, she's hooked up to all these kind of like umbilical cords and, and, and tubes and wires that are plugged into it and make sure she's alive and monitor and everything. And um, there's a screen directly above her, like, you know, inches from her face um big screen that has a that she can speak to and it has a you know siri-esque uh ai that she can chat with um so she can actually make phone calls um and she can uh look up things within the records of this ai's database and stuff so through this the story takes place and it is incredible It, it, it it surprised all my expectations even though um, it is in a confined space. It does a great job of not feeling uh, too limited the whole way through. Like I didn't feel horrific, mm. and it doesn't um, necessarily always feel scary. It's tense, but it's not. So a, I assume it's called movie up. by any chance. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. So I would I would one hundred percent recommend it if you're at all curious, okay. um, because it just takes you on a ride and where it goes um, was not what I was expecting. So I assume it's called oxygen because she's only got a limited amount of time before her oxygen will run out. That, that is correct, yes. That's one of the mm. things. She wakes up and it's got, you know, a certain percentage of oxygen left. Um, mm. And that's what, what's really great about the movie is that it is essentially just a really unique format to have a mystery. Yeah. I, I would highly recommend it to anyone. It was just interesting, very different. Yeah. Awesome. Now. Um, we'll do our overview without the spoilers first. Yes, yes, we'll say the spoilers, but I feel <laughs> like hopefully uh, most people have seen this. So our main film this week is Fargo. It, it was made in 1996. It's a Coen Brothers film. It's described as a black comedy. Um, it's set in a, in a region of America um, where the town of Fargo is located around North um, Dakota, I think. North Dakota and Minnesota. I think it sort of crosses the border there yep. a little bit. And um, yeah, it's a bit of a um, 
well, I've said it's a black comedy, but what it, how else kind of describe it's a it? Crime. It's, got, it's a crime movie. Um, crime movie. It's got a lot of um, a lot of things go wrong. Oh yeah, it, and it's, uh, well, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people yeah. don't survive to the end. It's of as movie. violent as it is funny. Mm. Um, so, what would you rate this, Dust? Oof, um, well, let's let's I, rate it out of um. Which we, I just want to say, um, I'll, I'll lead into my rating. You first showed <laughs> me that this movie one time on a whim. I think uh, we were just yeah, looking we were for probably, to watch. It was a cold yeah, winter's night. You popped something. it on, and I thought it was a TV show, which there is a TV show of this, but I didn't think it was that TV show. I just had never heard of this before. Um. So it wasn't until it, it was, we were about half an hour in um, and we paused to go grab a snack that I saw that it was not a, a TV show. And I was like, oh, we are strapped in for a full thing, but I wasn't bothered. Um, I loved the movie. I've seen it again since then. And then I saw it again this week. Um, this week, because I'd already seen it twice within the past few years, I was apprehensive to rewatch it just because I have a funny thing about um about sort of re-watching or rereading things that I've just watched or read. Um, and it yeah. felt like I'd just watched it. In I think way. a lot of people, a lot of people like time. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, when I did watch it, I really enjoyed it. It has a way of taking you through it and you forget how incredibly well acted it is and just how incredible mm. the characters are. So I would, mm. I would give this a strong, uh nine out of ten i'm very mm. generous with my rating, but this deserves it you know i would give it a 10 out of 10 but um i think i don't know maybe there could be some tweaks here and there or maybe there's just some aspects that um i could have maybe done without i don't know but it's hard to think of any any real criticism but i'm going to give it nine nine out of ten nine wood chippers Nine wood chippers. I was going to say nine norms, but um. Oh. <laughs> I was actually yes. thinking about that the other day, um, and I was I thought of both wood chippers and norms, and I, I like norms, but um, wood chippers. All right, well, you do norms, I'll do wood chippers. Um, okay. I'm also, I'm also going to say nine, maybe nine and a half, um, because I really can't think of anything about this film that doesn't work, and yeah. The, the thing that is interesting is that, you know, a fair amount of time has now passed, nearly, um, you know, about 25 years since it was made, and it hasn't really dated in terms of I don't the story. think so I feel um, like it was fairly um, possibly a little ahead of its time when it came out, um, but gets it's lasted really well. Um so is that enough of an overview before we go into the spoilers do you think does yeah 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 um all, all right, right. So let's move into the spoiler stage spoilers let's just give a quick run can i yeah. yeah 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 go ahead yeah i'm actually going to read part of this off um wikipedia because it actually um gives a pretty good summary to start off with and then i'll wikipedia is wonderful oh so good everyone should donate <laughs> Um, so it's got Frances McDormand starring as Marge Gunderson, who's a pregnant police officer, and she's got to investigate these um, roadside homicides that she comes across in the middle of the night. Um, and they've taken place after a desperate car salesman hired two criminals to kidnap his wife in order to extort a hefty ransom from her wealthy father. Um, and so it's basically an exercise in once you sort of hire a couple of criminals to do a, a pretty dirty job, you lose control of what happens next. And, yeah. um, and what happens next is just sort of becomes more and more disastrous as the film goes on. Exactly. It's that you, you really worded that right, like about losing control. He really, um, by bringing in these crooks to uh, do something which... To him, you know, he had an idea of how it might work out um, and it was a pretty awful plan to kidnap his wife to get ransom money. Um, but he really does just let it all, um, it all falls apart because he's 
he's you know these people don't it's greedy yeah they, these people don't care you know they don't care about him they don't care about his wife um they're just yeah. there to do a job and they don't really care how it happens or how it plays out and that's apparent yes. i just want his um... wife is absolutely terrified but yeah go on oh, definitely um i i just wanted to make a quick um sort of amendment to one of the things you said i don't know if it was off wikipedia but um she doesn't actually come across the bodies in the middle of the night um you see the murders happen and then she wakes up to a phone call early in the morning um and that leads to a very uh, well it's, best it's early it's like the... before she would normally the night time that's yeah what yeah say. but she doesn't discover yeah. it in you know in the middle of the night um but well, the reason I'm sort of reading this up is because oh, it okay. creates like one of my favorite scenes in the whole film. Um, she gets up. Oh, with know, Norm. Um, uh, oh, well, that's a good scene too with Norm. Um, I'll fix yeah. this next. Uh, that's, yeah. that's funny. Um, Her husband, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Norm's great. But uh, it, it, it leads into the scene where she's meeting up with the other cop at the crime scene and they're obviously looking at this horrific crime scene with um tipped over car people shot and dead um you know two mm. civilians and a police officer um and these two um cops are just uh Fargoian cops <laughs> are um just you know chatting having a coffee and chatting about the weather and um very very yeah. very casual um and then you think she's going to be sick because she's seen a body, but it's just morning sickness from the pregnancy. It's a really, it's a really well done scene because it, uh, mm. they just yeah, don't think... react because that's how you would, you would as a police officer, you get so desensitized to, to this. That they just do it brilliantly. Um, especially I, uh, yeah. I think there's a couple of things that, um, that, that, that are happening here that I really enjoy. One is that I think in every single scene, every scene, there's more going on than just the exchange of the words in oh, the script. Always. There's I always love, detail, yeah. there's personality, there's um, subtext, there's always, well, you know, little nuggets in there for you to enjoy. Yeah. And a lot of it is very joyful. It's it's light and, you know, there's murders going on, there's horrible um, killings, but a lot of the movie is actually quite light and, and, and um, humorous. And the way they say things really plays to that. But I, 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 I know what you mean. Like they, um, they did a really good job, um, the writers and the actors of just making, um, of, of portraying the, the genuine way conversation happens, which is all, all pleasantries and, and niceties and, and being all friendly and chipper. But underneath that, there are very serious conversations happening. She has a yes. very good way of seeing what, of Frances McDormand, um, Marge has a really good way of delivering the of the lines as you know, <laughs> yeah. she's frustrated or angry, but she sounds very polite and chipper. Um, well, this is, um, this is one of the things that, that Fargo is really known for. And there's a yeah. phenomenon from Minnesota called Minnesota nice. And it's the, it's this way that, um, people from Minnesota seem to ha have this just, um, endless capacity for being friendly and um even if, <laughs> even if it's not genuine they will smile and they sort of do a, a head nod to show that they're agreeing and um they avoid any sort of drama like it, it's actually if you google minnesota nice you'll get some really good descriptions and examples but this film is actually considered um a really great example of, of what that is. And um, Ethan and Joel Cohen, the brothers that made this film, are actually from Minnesota. Um, so they were harking back to, you know, things that they knew from growing yeah. up. But they say, they do say that it is a little bit exaggerated. In oh, this totally. Film. And it definitely And, and when it came out, yeah, when it came out, local, local people were a bit offended by it because they thought oh, they were being made fun yeah. of. But, um, um, it's but it just—it's it, really good, I think. Yeah, it just I mean, yeah, it works. It, it really reminds me of the way um, Taika Waititi and uh, New Zealand um, director kind of yeah. plays up what's funny about New Zealand dialogue. 
um, yes. he knows what can be what where the humor is in that and yeah, plays he it leans up. Into and it, it works and, really yeah. really well um i think that's yeah. a brilliant style um and it just makes it so much more human and genuine that's what this movie would not be nearly as entertaining or rewatchable without this aspect because it's a very dark and tragic movie um yes but all of this and and specifically marge's character just bring a lightheartedness to it yeah and it just she's the heart really of the is. film <laughs> mm. and yeah. she's just so like she's just such a um intelligent character um just always uh seeing through uh, people and seeing through uh situations you yeah know, she, she knows when figuring it out press there yeah 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 i love though that this doesn't follow the normal sort of crime drama format where you're constantly following the cops around and seeing yes. how they're figuring it out. It's almost incidental that you suddenly see, oh, Marge is talking to this person now. And then, you know, she'll say, oh, okay, so now we've found out that person, she'll go and work on the next piece. But yeah. you don't see every step of the way. And I like that because you and just see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I really like that in a lot of crime movies, the story comes from the from the mystery of the crime um and they really you know they do a lot of things um i guess you could compare it to death on the nile um, yeah that's what i was thinking but yeah, they did a lot, of, yeah. a lot of work to make the mystery a, a puzzle to solve but in reality nine times out of ten a murder is an open and shut case not all but a lot of the times <laughs> it's the, the the person who did it is quite stupid and they mess up <laughs> and and that's what this betrays you've got some just idiot of a husband yeah you know it's only a matter terrible of time. choices it's a it's a hopeless crime with such sloppy work um and it's to me it's very true to life and the drama doesn't come from the crime being solved it would partly does yeah but it's not from the mystery because you you know everything. we know we know yeah, from the start and yeah. and she unravels it very quickly it's a matter of days yeah. Um, and it, it is very clever the way that she unravels it, um, but but it's not a it's, it's a very true to life crime. Yeah, it's not about how people. this crime was solved. It's yeah. more about the villains people. aren't exactly a villain isn't yeah. some evil genius. They're they're usually um, just some greedy idiot, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's more about the people that are playing out this drama and um and their characters so what did you think of um carl and his accomplice so that's um steve Buscemi uh, and yeah, um, peter yeah oh i loved them in this i i mean i love steve Buscemi. he's he's just wonderful um but these two together i just i mean they're almost like the antithesis of a buddy cop movie um you know a buddy crime movie in a way they are just, even though they're not buddies, it's it's that dynamic of. You sort of never that, know why why are they even together because they yeah, don't get along. <laughs> but they do a great job of telling you who these people are. You can just tell by seeing the movie that um, uh, Peter Stormare um, his name is listed as as yeah. Gaia Gaia, yeah, but they yeah. don't really say his. Yeah. He's just a big quiet one. Um, you, you can tell that he probably was a hitman. That's probably what he did before this um he seems like the the sort of person who you can just tell is well, a lot of people and as as the way it <laughs> plays out at the end oh it becomes very you apparent. know yes but he when he's responsible for a couple of the bodies at least oh definitely but you can tell just when they're driving along and steve is just uh, carl um is just yapping on and complaining <sighs> that the other guy's not talking and he has this really funny scene where he's like all right how how you how do you like it when i'm quiet um and then he just keeps chatting like oh you see how you like it when i'm quiet and he doesn't last like 10 he can't he can't be quiet he can't and i love that because they're just complete opposites and it really drives the tension between them it's it reminds me of something like um reminds me of like a roald dahl story um roald dahl is a really great way of um having understanding the relationships between the baddies because in a lot of a lot of films 
there's kind of a unanimous um, or singular singular objective behind the bad people that they usually um, don't. Like you mean they're, not... they're working together? Yeah, they, they, they usually, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm wrong here, but it feels like in a lot of films, uh, you don't get really strong character dynamics between the villains. It's more like just the villain is a singular entity in a way, even if it's more than one. Yeah. Yeah, um gotcha. this it just it just really shows that these are people too and they have their own every single person in this movie has their own motive their own life and their own you know journey their own goals um it's yeah. just really well shown that that you can see each of the characters yeah they are they're they're very their individual you can imagine their lives before the movie and you can imagine their lives after what with their store life by the end of the movie you can imagine that they've <laughs> got you know they exist beyond oh, yeah. the film the film just captures a few days in mm. in their life um yeah just very cleverly done that way um the other character that i think is really um well drawn is um jerry who's played by william h mason oh yeah as yeah as the husband that's um that is uh, such a well scheming to kidnap his wife oh my god you sort of almost feel sorry for the guy because you know he's just such a loser he feels yeah. like a helpless kid in a way, you know, like a lost puppy the whole way. Yeah, but then, you know, he's obviously got himself into a lot of debt mm -hmm. because he's embezzled money from his father-in-law from the car yard that he, where he works. Yeah. And God knows what he did with the money because he's not living a lavish lifestyle, but somehow he's got himself hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. So he comes up with this terrible scheme to you know, for his wife to be kidnapped and then he'll get a ransom from his um, dad, his, sorry, father-in-law, mm -hmm. and but with no thought to how that would affect his wife. And, you know, I thought about this. The start of the film, we see him meeting with um, Carl and Gerd to organise the kidnapping. Straight after that, he goes home and he sits down and he has dinner with his wife and his son and his father-in-law. And just yeah. sits there and has eats like everything's normal. Yeah. He's just a crazy person. I think that's it <laughs> in this very case. What are, one of my favourite scenes of him, I mean, there's so many good scenes, um, especially all the ones where he's being interviewed or questioned rather by um, uh, Marge. Um, those things are wonderful. But one of the best scenes um, in the whole movie is when uh, the police are finally arresting him. He's obviously somewhat oh the, the very run, end where they track you know? him down yeah he's on the run he's just he's staying in a motel room and you just see the police they it's it's one of those it, it feels so real that scene um you you know they they just easily find him they knock on the door he's there they get it unlocked he's halfway climbing out the window they pull him back and he's just wailing you know helplessly yeah. um, just crying and flailing about and in that moment not only does it play out just super realistically of how because people have this you know and movies portray it a certain way a vision of how a chase is supposed to go you know um either you expect to heroically get away um or it'll be a you know a hard fight um but this is just it's Cold yeah, it's truth, a bit pathetic, isn't it? The reality of a situation yeah. is, is if you try to run away, you're just going to embarrass, end up embarrassed in a way. Um, he's just caught there, you know, metaphorically with his pants down. Um, literally just, with his pants down. Oh, yeah, he's, he's just in his boxes. So, yeah. Um, literally and metaphorically. Um, but he just, you know, and, yeah, and it's, it's, he comes across as very pathetic. Yeah. And, and when he's yeah. when he's crying, I don't know if you, like everyone feels this way, but like you kind of because he seems like most of the other times, aside from those moments where he's really just um, under pressure from Marge or something, in most scenes he seems like a normal guy, right? He has a really good way of just seeing like like a weird but but mostly normal guy. Um, 
Like you think yeah. he would just pass through life and nobody would give him a second glance. Exactly. He's he's yeah. he's the wrong sort sort of person. He's just not the wrong. He's the sort of person you just don't expect to get involved in these mm. kind of situations. And when mm. you see him being grabbed and, and crying and, and, and shouting and just helpless, you almost feel like um I don't know if it's just me, but it just feels like anyone could be in that situation. Not anyone, like he did something horribly wrong. But you suddenly get a glimpse of what it would feel like to be in his shoes. Yeah. How scared it must be to just realise you've lost yeah. this much in life. Because he obviously... I think there's um... not anything he's done, but he obviously never expected things to go this way. And that no. moment, you can tell in his screams that he just has realised his entire life has just been yeah by what he's there's, done and that is just powerful yeah um there's another scene with jerry where it's i feel like you you start to feel a bit like what it's like in his shoes as well and that's when um he's he's trying to cook up this real estate deal and he's mm. trying to talk his father-in-law into giving him the money to invest in it mm-hmm. and he thinks that his father-in-law is coming around to it and he his father-in-law asks him to come and see him and he's got his hope you know he's all hopeful that right this will actually solve my money problems i can call off the um kidnapping uh this will fix everything and he walks in and the poor guy like he's just treated like um like you know he's not given any special treatment because he's married to this man's daughter like he's just treated like an idiot off the street basically by his father-in-law and told oh no i'm not going to give you the money to invest heck why would i do that oh look you can have a finder's fee which is just a little piddly amount compared to the hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah i think like 10 percent or something yeah Um... and he walks out of that meeting and he's got a tramp across this snow-covered carping parking lot not carping pot (laughs) and um and then he's got to scrape the ice off his windscreen and he just really gets angry as he's scraping the ice where he just uh, gets really frustrated scraping it scrape scraping scraping off the ice uh that that's a very like real genuine scene like i feel like every single character is real because of the way that they show realistically how people react you know um characters aren't you know stereotypically cool or bad they just are who they are and they do that really brilliantly you know they're just a lot of just lousy people and some nice people um yeah that's what i mean it feels like you just get to have a window on these people's lives for for that's exactly what it feels Mm. it feels like a, a window or a snapshot um yeah it, it is funny because you do feel sorry for this guy in times but then you remember all the awful stuff he's doing and you're like oh, okay well um you know he's hiring uh some crooks to kidnap his wife oh my god it's just ridiculous um but it, 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 in, a, in a weird way you wouldn't be surprised to hear about this on the news um which is a sad thing but you wouldn't be surprised if you oh truth, truth is stranger than Fiction. Yeah, truth yeah. is stranger than fiction. If you heard, oh, uh, you know, um, three of sure like, <laughs> five killed um, in extreme hostage situation arranged by husband, <laughs> like, yeah, and, and well, the fact that he just came, uh, when I say he, I mean Carl, Steve Buscemi, um, at, at a point when he's that the deal has kind of gone awry, um, the, the hostage exchange. I mean, he's got the money, but he's just trying to get out of there quick, and he's been shot in the face. <laughs> um not lethally but painfully um yes well it's bleeding a lot yeah. yeah a lot of blood um and i'm like they're gonna find him no problem if, if he wasn't dead by the end of the movie um yeah but there's just he's just such a when he because he kind of comes across as the more sane of the two um and he didn't want to kill anyone before it was the other guy who just straight up murdered all these people um but obviously he is accomplice to that and then at the end he just 
pulls up next to this ticket booth guy who identifies him, obviously, sees his face. Um, and he just later, when you see, um, uh, I think, the police officer, March, driving by, um, or someone else driving by. Oh, no, it's it's um, Jerry, Jerry Lundegaard, the, the husband. Um, when he's driving out because, yeah, anyway, was, the car park you know, he goes to spy on the deal, goes to see the deal's happening. It's gone wrong. His step, his father-in-law's dead, um, shot by Steve Buscemi, um, and he drives out of the car park and sees the feet up in the air of this uh, security guard who's in the booth, um, who's been shot by Steve Buscemi, and it's a really sad, sad moment, um, and kind of scary. Uh, yeah, that was actually the death that I found. Yeah, most disturbing. Even though it's such a quick, you barely get to spend a second on that guy. But um, he had absolutely nothing to do with any of what was going on, except to be working as the wrong car time, park attendant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just a young, young person too. And it, can I just, know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I just go back to something you were saying earlier, which was about you know, it's it's um, stranger. Um, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if this was true because um, controversially they um, they have a slide at the start of the film that says yes. that this is a true story and um, they actually got a fair bit of um, flack about that. And um, Because it's not. It's not a true story. And even um, William H. Macy, who plays Jerry, said to them, you can't do that, you can't say it's true. And it's not a true story. And they said, sure, we can. And and it, and it is actually a device that um, creatives use. I've seen authors use this device. It's been mm. used in other films and TV shows. It's it's continued on into the Fargo TV show at the beginning of every episode of the Fargo TV series. They say the same thing. This is um, a true story. Really? Um, the exact same wording that's used at the, at the beginning of the film. Um, but they never saw it as a problem. But one of the one of the effects that this had was that there were people actually travelling to um, to the, the region around Fargo to go looking for the briefcase full of money. <laughs> oh, that's classic. <laughs> I mean, people would, wouldn't they? Yeah, if you thought there was a million dollars in a briefcase oh, yeah. buried in some stuff. I'm, I'm sure yeah. that if it were real, the police probably would have found the money by now. Um, well, I'm also what I was going to say is, um, so they've talked about some other crimes that it could be based on, and I think um, the Cohen brothers have said, oh, look, we heard about um, a husband who killed mm. his wife and then put her through a wood chipper. And that's where they got that idea from. But the rest is is pretty much made up. Yeah. See, I, that's I, a like horrible, I, horrible thing to have happened. Oh, definitely. Um, I watched the movie, saw that, and I realized I didn't have a great recollection of my previous viewings. I mean, I remember the most of the story, but there are certain beats that I didn't remember like that. And by the end, I was like, I was curious about that, and I, so I googled it, um, and sure enough, it's false. Um, and then, uh, I was at first frustrated by that, you know, I was instantly like, oh, that's annoying. Why would they do that? I felt, I felt like offended or hurt. And then yeah. I realized, I realized <laughs> they that, got this from a lot of people, <laughs> oh, but I, I realized, um, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, two, two points. One, um, it is fictional. So they have no obligation to be truthful to you. You know, mm. these are fiction writers making an entertaining movie they can uh they can make stuff up which is yeah. controversial sure but you can't really tell them not to because they made this movie they, and they really they have the standard disclaimer at uh -huh. the end of the film that says none of this is is based on real people living or dead <laughs> um so um, it really but... is just a storytelling device oh, and, and what it does is it, it, it um it allows you to believe, to probably believe it more than you would if you did, if it didn't have that at the beginning. It makes it, it, it makes it feel much more real and present. But um, that other point I was going to say is that um, it, it really doesn't matter. People are very. I I haven't thought about this before this movie, but I, I often think about people get very excited about 
things that are based off reality, especially when it comes to crime drama. Um, yeah. So many movies and horror movies too, they'll they'll try to claim that it's it's truthful and so often it's not. Or you know those biopic uh, movies uh, that co- claim to be faithful to the story of the person, um, and they often aren't. Now those ones. Well, we different. we had a really good example of that a few weeks ago when we looked at House of Gucci. You know, yeah, that exactly. was meant to be based on a true story, mm. but it, it, it travelled um, so far away from it that it was just, yeah. in the end, you wonder why they bothered. Yeah. But I was just going to say um, that with this, with you know, at least with a film that's completely fictional, really, um, and, claim, and claiming it, it, it just doesn't matter because with so much out there and so many true stories out there, um, it, it, it doesn't matter. You're just watching it for the entertainment value at the end of the day, regardless if it's true or not. You don't watch a true crime thing to learn about crime. You watch it for <laughs> Hopefully um, the drama. That's, that's why you watch yeah. it. It's entertaining in a weird way. Um, that's just No, that's true. Yeah, it's controversial that's, that perhaps. So but it's why true. does it matter? Like if they've created something and said it's true, yeah. you know, yeah. it, like does it, does it matter if it's not? Yeah, because the yeah. the effect, you know, if after you the film, you wouldn't pass through life uh, affected by the fact that it's not true. Not true. After the film came out, I mean, the Coen brothers were very relaxed about whether people were offended or not. They really didn't care because you know it was just a that. Yeah. device that they used, and and they didn't um, regret that. But I they did that. this funny sort of hoax afterwards, where they wrote to I think it was like the Washington Post or something and they said oh oh it's been revealed to us that this story isn't true and we've been hoodwinked and we just want to sincerely apologize to it but it's written in such a tongue-in-cheek way um that anybody that you know no understands their sense of humor knows that they're not being serious but I just thought you know it's a funny little thing um any um closing thoughts from you on this one Oh, gosh. Um, well, normally we say what our, yeah, our takeaways take are. Was. I just think um, if, for anyone who wants to learn about how to make a, a good movie uh, and buy a good movie, I guess what I mean is um, really well, yeah, yeah, really well thought out. Character, believable characters and how to make a story really move along. Like a lot happens in this movie. It covers, a, a, you know, a lot of twists and turns, but it's a, got a really tight running time of 98 minutes. Mm, um, I love the it, length. But it doesn't feel like you're racing through because it gives no. time where it needs time. You know, the, there are slow conversations. Oh, there I are love the details. Time. I, it's are, such an underused thing, but the slow fade between scenes. Yeah, yeah. It just puts time in where it's needed. I feel like every scene is really thought through. I feel like this is the Cohen brothers at their best. They work really as, as, as one unit, and, and when they work together well, um, yeah, they just complement each other and they make sure that, you know, everything is, is taken care of really well. Um, I really I really like the opening of this. I think it's one of the best openers where you just see the car driving through the snow towards you mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's got a trailer on the back and then as it gets up to you, you can see that it's got um, another car on the trailer that it's, that it's hauling through the snow. And but it's playing this really dramatic music, um, and it just builds the crescendo. Like you know, it sets the the tone that even yeah. though this, this is just a fairly normal scene of a car driving. On I mean, road, it would be boring. You know? It's just a solid yeah. minute or two of just a car driving slowly on a road. Not slowly, but by the perspective of yeah, the just line. it looks yeah, slow. just driving it's at a sort of normal music. speed. The drum yeah. roll. It's like a. It's like a war troop march kind of uh yeah. song like tune um it's it's i know exactly what you mean that scene is just brilliantly done people um often talk a lot about um wes anderson's unique style but i, I feel like this one has just as striking a style 
um it's really distinct really well thought out um yeah a, a strong use of a long focal length to flatten images which brings out the pattern in the world oh, okay yeah, yeah yeah a lot of patterns Mm, that's true. That's they, they use why the long focal length. Yeah, we haven't talked about the fact that it's all set in um, in winter, so there's just everything's covered in snow, and they but they really yeah. use that that scenery to really good effect. Yeah. Well, it does so much for the film. Not only does it just create a really uh, great atmosphere, but it it um adds to the um the sort of the the claustrophobic uh, yeah the atmosphere yeah of the, of the location um you know to outsiders often these sort of locations feel like a prison in a way you know you feel yeah, stuck there. yeah, yeah. and the criminals they just can't get away from the damn place um every time they try to they <sighs> they're back there um you know at the end when the uh the big guy get gaya um yeah, the criminal yeah. Being brought in, he just looks up um, and sees the big woodcutter with the axe, um, the big statue that's outside the town. Um, yeah. and it's just, it just feels like you know they just can't escape. In that scene, um, the speech that um, Marge says, a lot of oh, people yeah. remember that that is a key speech from Fargo. She says, and it's a beautiful day, and um, you know the fact that. You know, she sees the beauty in this place, whereas other people just see a freezing cold landscape. And it was not just about that, but like she just leads into it in such a brilliant way, just looking at him in, in, in the mirror and questioning why the hell does he do this, you know? Yeah. Um, three murders because they don't know about the um, the other murders yet. Um, yeah. You know, and, and all for a bit of money. Um, and she actually like, you know, sounds. There's more to life than a bit of money. Um, and th that, um, you know, that's when she leads into her, and it's a beautiful day. Um, yeah. and it's not just like she sees the, the, she sees that, that weather as being beautiful, but, um, that I, I feel like, you know, she, she has a way of moving through the whole movie and seeing joy in everything in a way. She just finds peace. Looks on uh, the bright side. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. She has just a, a comforting peace about her um mm. a, a strong optimism um that doesn't come from any form of naivety it just comes from yeah. just being happy um when she says that speech to Gare, it just um it sounds like she's actually really disappointed in him oh <laughs> even though like she's never met him she doesn't know him oh. yeah she sounds like she's gonna say i'm just i'm not angry i'm just disappointed in him yeah it's really <laughs> that's the tone yeah 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 I think I that's almost, him, honestly... I'd, you know i'd feel i'd be feeling very sad and sorry for myself if i was yeah. if i was sitting in the back of her police car oh i feel so like that's the way to get to to, to tug at a criminal's heartstrings you know unless they just you know a psychopath who just doesn't care or something but um you know if if, if they i mean this guy you don't know what he's thinking but oh man that moment is really just it really is just like a disapproving authority figure in a way um, yeah you feel you know you'd feel awful to like you feel like you've let her down <laughs> absolutely and who'd want to let marge down oh i feel I like you know we should we should have what would marge do yeah, yeah she's just a brilliant brilliant character character um, apparently um francis mcdormand okay. modeled marge off her sister <laughs> she said really? her sister's sort of a more wholesome version of her yeah wow. yeah how, how can you be more wholesome no no more wholesome version of francis the actor uh oh i see not more wholesome than the more than the character <laughs> no no no, no. Great. Um, so you were wanting to sort of wrap this up and you said, um, you know, what what are we, um, how are we finishing off? So I guess oh, my takeaway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I realised we've talked on a bit since you said that, so I thought I'd sort of right. come back to it. Um, 
So I was saying that I think this is a really great film for anybody that wants to make films to study. Um, oh. And the other thing I would say, and the script as well, like if you're into, you think you might like to write a screenplay one day, I think this is this would be a good one to get hands on and, and um, you know, maybe imitate it to begin with because <laughs> all good art starts with imitation, I think, until you develop your own style. Um and um, I guess the other thing I take away from it is, yeah, that beautiful character of Marge and how she moves through the world. We could all we could all be a little bit more Marge. That's a great, great way to finish this off. Um, I, I, yeah, I just want to say that, um, yeah, if you, you know, have the time and, and effort, um, look at this film with, especially if you're interested in sort of the filmmaking side of it, um, have a focus on the use of focal length um and the use of color both of those mm. are just really really thought out in this film um i i would definitely uh, i won't i won't really touch on it too much but they are really well thought out you can get a sense for what the directors just like in general but also how it serves the story um i think they used a, a focal length that you don't really see in a lot of uh movies these days maybe i'm i'm mm. wrong but uh often there's more dynamic and there's a lot of anamorphic lenses used today that can give you a real dynamic feeling of focal length but um this this um film really had a striking visual style to it um so if you're interested yeah in that, yeah yeah you know, watch it or rewatch it with that with that lens on when you're looking through it. actually there's, there was <laughs> there was a phrase I came across that I'd never heard of before, and I'm just trying to find it again now. It's a French phrase. Mise en scène. So it's everything yeah. that you can see in a scene, basically. But the Coen brothers were con are considered sort of masters of this, of setting up scenes. And, you know, it's, it's the way you place your actors. It's the detail that you have. It's the... Mm. It's the um, it can sometimes sort of be called blocking as well, but it's a little bit different to blocking. Um, but they, yeah, this is a real um, example of, of how scenes are. Oh yeah. Set, set I up. I mean, and, people are placed know. in in scenes in really, uh, you know, it, it comes off as just they're placed there because that's where they are. But um, it ha I mean, it has a very it's very deliberate. It, but the yeah. way they do it is very subtly. Um, uh, affecting the story or, or the visual impact of that scene. Yeah. Um, often, for example, the direction of a character faces or moves in a scene actually s signals something about that character. Um, there's actually a lot of psychology behind these. For example, if you have a character moving from left to right, um, so, sorry, uh, yeah, left to right across the scene, it gives a sense of progression. Um, and the opposite of that is true, where if they're moving from right to left, it feels uh, it gives off regression um, or something's going backwards. So often filmmakers will just do this subtly to to signal subtly to you or, or emphasize further what's going on. Um, often when uh, something's gone wrong for the character or they've, they've peaked and fallen back down, you know, that kind of, that um, in the hero's journey, that sort of, arc downwards after their it's the crisis moment um that's often when in a lot of films you actually see a backwards movement um you'll you'll often see them moving away from from other people and visually it's often from right to left which feels um a bit silly because it's it's um seems a bit on the nose but it's just something that you don't usually notice um it's very easy to get away with but the audience won't really pick up on that as a notable element but it actually signals so you are you uh, saying that psychological. Just, yeah you're saying they use that in the oh, i'd have to rewatch it to point out exactly where and when but they definitely use these sort of techniques not that left or right specifically but um the placement of characters can show not only um uh it can show multiple things you know what what they're thinking how they're feeling yeah. where they align um a character portrayed on the right side of the screen is usually interpreted as better than someone portrayed on the left side of the screen often. That's not a universal rule, but usually if you show them that way, um, it actually does visually signal to us. Um, and this comes from a, a strong, this, this uh, 
usually requires, and this is why it can be tricky when you're watching international films, um, is that these these signals are different depending on where you are, yeah. depending on the history of yeah. the cinema. But in, mm. in the West, it's built upon a history of certain visual elements and visual cues, and yeah. these are playing on those cues. So it's basically you've you've been raised and um, and uh, what's that word where you're uh, socialized, uh, conditioned. That's it. You've been conditioned to see things a certain way unconsciously in, in yeah, film, right. and, and and filmmakers have a really powerful tool that they sort of like a language when they break on those or play with those a visual um, language definitely just have a look at have a look at this film with that with these sort of elements in mind and um there's a lot of interesting um stuff going on there that that unconsciously happens um you won't notice when you first watch it unless you're looking out for it so yeah i i, I think this movie is brilliant that's um i think all, all i'll say otherwise i'll just keep going on forever but um i had a really great time watching this one um, this one was my pick and that was because um it was one of the films that um, the director of Parasite said that he really loved. And I think you can see some parallels. Mm. But we should, um, we should talk about what your pick is. Yeah, yes. Episode. So for my pick, um, I was racking my brain trying to think of, of, of something that may have a tie. Um, but after the, even though I love this film, afterwards I felt, I feel like I need a bit of a palate cleanser. Because we've watched a few uh, darker or sort of crime esque movies, um, and I, I, that's I true. Went, that's true. We've had a run. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've had a bit of a run. So I'm going for something that's a bit more, to me, a bit lighter. So for next week, I've, I've picked The Martian, um, okay. partly because it's one I just really want to do eventually, um, and I feel like I need a palate cleanser. So I feel like this is just a good, mostly lighthearted palate cleanser. Um, I don't think it's going to be a you know the super cinematic film we chat about but um i i find no, it really fun um i love it it's a really good it's a couch it's a friday night couch movie for me that's the kind of film it is for me so i'm really excited to just to be able to watch it again um and hopefully you like it um and enjoy it i know you've seen it before but maybe not remember it too well but yeah well whether i do or whether i don't you'll have to wait and see <laughs> All right, well, thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review um, us on whatever you listen to it. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Augie and the Alien, um, or send us an email at Augie and the Alien at gmail.com. Um, we take in suggestions, so if you have a film suggestion, uh, send it in. We are getting to any current suggestions we've already received. Um, we've just got a busy sort of lineup of, of films coming up. Um, Just before we completely sign off, um, yeah, there was some sad news today in that um, the actor William Hurt passed away. And um, for those of us of a certain age, we will remember him quite fondly, I think. And I, I have a number of films on my list for this podcast that have him in it, so I'll be looking to do one of those. Um, it won't be next week, and it, and it might not be the week after that, but probably. I think that's a great idea. Um, just to also touch on um, on what we are doing in the near future, um, I'll be up north visiting um, Mum, Karen, the other the co-host. Um, <laughs> we'll be in the same city. Yeah, we'll be in the same city. So we're actually going to try go to the cinema again um, and see something. Uh, we won't reveal just yet what that is, but um, we're, we're hopefully going to do that. We may um have a special we may even see uh, we may even see a couple of films while you're here but we'll see see yeah i mean we'll try but that's sort of why we're a bit um booked down on what films we're sort of locked in for the next uh week or so um or two weeks anyway that that's it for for today any anything else thank you thanks for listening everybody (laughs) yeah thanks for listening (laughs) all right um have a great day and i'll see you next week bye see you next week bye Thanks, right. guys. Thank you. Um, hopefully, we gave you a blooper. Bye. <laughs> Lots of.